God believes in this gospel. He believes in the message of no condemnation. God believes with all his heart that man can be justified free from his obedience to the law. God believes it. God believes that with all of his heart that man can be blessed without tithing. God believes it with all of his heart. <laughs> he, he is not for, not for one moment in time is there any question in the heart of God that his ability is enough to bless you always. I think the time has come that we should believe what God believes. That's what the Bible says clearly in Mark 13. It says there that have the faith of God. Then you'll say to this tree, talking about the system that condemns you, dry up to the roots and it shall obey you. Amen. Hallelujah. When, when you can believe what God believes. You see, when we see what God sees... And then we believe what God believes. The reality of God becomes your reality. And the Holy Spirit takes that reality of God and manifests it in your life with the power of heaven. My goodness. You know, the other day I heard about a a very, very, to explain this to you, a very, very rich businessman. And um, he came and he, uh, he, he this, this poor guy, uh, a friend of mine, a preacher guy, this guy came and he beated him up. This very rich businessman came and he beat up my friend. So my friend, now this guy is very, very rich. I'm talking about serious rich. He, I, I, he, I mean, he's, people are scared of him, you know, because he's got so much money. Then, then my friend went to the police and made a case against, opened a case against this very rich farmer. So here's a, a rich white farmer that's beaten up a colored guy. Now that's a problem in South Africa. <laughs> so he went to the government, to the police system. And doesn't matter how much money he has, doesn't matter what he's done right or wrong, doesn't matter how he treats his wife or not, he's backed by the power of the government. In this case, against that guy. And that guy is powerless because my friend is backed by the government. In the same way, with the kingdom of God... When we call upon the name of Jesus, we are backed by the power of God. Hallelujah. I tell you, when you take the law of Moses, and you take the Ten Commandments that says, Thou shalt not desire, and you say, I'm going to give it my best shot, you are only backed by your willpower. But when you say, I recognize the new creation in Christ. It is not I who am going to try and live a new life. I am recreated in Jesus. It is not me trying. I am just a vessel in which God lives. The new life manifested in your life is being powered and sponsored from God. Hallelujah. 
That's why the Bible says clearly in Romans 6 that sin shall have no more dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. It says, shall we continue to sin now that we are not under the law? And then it uses this wonderful Greek word there, and, and this is the meaning. It says, no, God will cease it to exist in your life. Have you ever thought of that? God will cause sin to cease in your life. But the gospel we've heard all the time is, listen my friend, now that you're born again, here's a new list of things that you need to do and get busy. You've got the Holy Spirit now, now you just pray in tongues when you feel you can't make it. No, no, no. The, the, the Old Testament was this. That, and this is what James says in James chapter 3. He says, don't be many of you teachers. He says, for you will receive a stricter judgment. And it talks about the tongue. And it says, you should tame your tongue. And it says, to tame the tongue is not possible by human effort. What he was saying there is, by human effort, it's not possible for man to preach a doctrine of laws good enough to get you to live righteous. That's, that was what he was actually saying in, in, in James there. And then he says, because through the tongue, talking about wrong teaching there, he says, the cause of nature is set alight with the fire of hell. So what he was actually saying is, if you preach a law gospel, a law doctrine, that doctrine will ignite the sinful nature in man. But if you preach the gospel of grace, it will ignite the very life of God inside you. And you'll find God resisting sin in your life and bringing forth the very Christ life in you. Amen. And the wonderful news about this is that we can take this to people that's never believed in Jesus and tell them, listen, God is not far from you. He has come close to you. Everything you do in Him, we live and move and have our being. If you read Acts 17, it talks about uh, uh, the, the Greek philosophers before Christ even said, In Him we live and move and have our being. What he was actually saying is, who we are pertains to God. So, if God is holy, we can, our holiness is measured in accordance to Him. So, if you are under the law, you're not seen as holy. But when Christ came, who we are, and and I like what it says in, in, I think it's in, um, in James, it says, now that you know God, or rather, are known of God, or known by God. Now that known by God in the Greek says that you are known in connection with God. Not that we, now that we know God and that we know ourselves by looking at God. That's what he's actually saying. So when we look at what God has done in Jesus Christ, He took the law system out of the way. When we believe upon Him, we see what is true in God manifesting in our lives. This is not a theory, people. The gospel of grace is not a theory. It is not a a human philosophy. It is the very reality of God. 
When we come to the point where we can say, one man brought sin into the world, one man brought righteousness into the world, and believe upon that, we will find that Jesus Christ comes, or the Holy Spirit comes, and He starts to indwell our lives, and brings forth the new life. He removes fear from you, so you don't have to go to the next teaching on how to remove fear. He gives you respect for your wife and your children. He gives you respect for your neighbor. Hallelujah. You don't have to go for five teachings on how much money you're going to get if you just give, but because you will have generosity being birthed into you. Hallelujah. You won't have to go to work and say, Oh Lord, you know, I'm so lazy today. I don't want to work anymore. You know, this boss of me, mine, you just see five wrong things all the time. You'll just find joy in your heart. You'll find it there. It will happen to you. You might say, but this is too easy. (laughs) Do you want to tell me joy will just happen to me? Well, if anger can just happen to you, and unforgiveness can just happen to you, why cannot joy and righteousness and peace and long-suffering and kindness just happen to you? If Adam's work was powerful enough to cause sin to happen in your life, how much more was the glorious work of the cross not powerful enough for God to happen in you? And that's not good English, but you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> you understand, my brother? Amen, Raymond. Well, God just happened here. Hallelujah. Amen. I find peace in this world. I find absolute joy. I find the power of God indwells me. There's a new... I I want to tell you, we have been made new. We have been made new. If we can realize the power of redemption, the, the, the greater we can see the power of our redemption, the greater we will see the manifestation of our salvation. Now, for those of you who haven't been here, there's a difference between redemption and salvation. When Adam sinned, he brought all of man under a system that says, you will eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and then you'll be like God by having knowledge of what's the right thing to do. Then you just do the right thing and you'll be like God. All of man was under that. Then G- and, and that brought forth death. The Bible says, Jesus said, or God said to Adam, if you eat of that tree, you will surely die. So all of man was condemned unto death. Why? Because there was one man representing us, giving us, uh, 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 binding us to this system of death. Then Jesus Christ came to redeem man. The word redeem means to buy back. Okay? The Greek word literally means to, to buy again or to buy it back. Redeem. So he came and redeemed us, rebought us. And who did he buy? He bought whosoever was under that system through Adam. That is the whole world. He redeemed the whole world from the law system. So everybody was included in the redemption of Jesus Christ. So that whosoever can believe that they are redeemed from this system can be saved 
from the influence of that system. Now, the greater you understand your redemption, the greater your faith. I remember in the beginning, I, I, I understood redemption like this. This was my redemption. I don't have to go to hell anymore. I can now go to heaven. And that was my persuasion. I, I had faith in that. I believed that I don't have to go to hell anymore. I'm going to go to heaven. And I had a certain degree of power in my life. The, the power that manifested in my life was the peace that I will go to heaven. But I never understood that I've been redeemed from the law. So I knew I'll go to heaven, but I had no peace in this life because I thought that I'm going to lose my salvation if I don't keep to the commandments of the law. For I only understood redemption as pertaining to heaven and hell, if I live right and believe on the name of Jesus. But when I started to understand that I have been redeemed from being saved by my works, oh my goodness, all of a sudden I found that condemnation fell off me. So like Nico said, all of a sudden this depression that you carried in your heart was just boom, gone. Because you realized, I have been redeemed. God paid a price for me. And He bought me from the slave master that says, This is my rules by which you'll be blessed. He bought me, paid the price for me. And now I realize that He has paid for me. So now whenever the the old master comes with his laws, I tell him, man, get lost. I've got, I'm not under you anymore. Remember the story I told you about the slave in, in, in America where, where, the, where they still had the slaves in the south. And uh, this one farmer, he had these slaves and then there was a, the, the law was, after the war, the law was passed there's no more, slavery is not allowed anymore. But he kept it secret from his slaves. So they were still enslaved under that guy. They worked without getting paid. They worked for food type of thing, you know. So they were working as slaves for the master. The, the whole thing was continuing the same way. But they have already been redeemed. Because in the, the old law in America passed away. And when that law passed away, they were set free. So were they free? Yes. In, as pertaining to the law, they were set free. But as pertaining to manifestation in life, were they set free? No. They were still slaves. And then after, I don't know how many years it is, let's say five years or ten years later, some slave found out that that law has passed away long ago. And he came with the good news of their redemption. (laughs) The good news of their salvation that's going to manifest today. If they can just believe this. And then he says, you know what I heard? You know so and so? That was, when we were on the ship, that was slaves. We were slaves together, caught in Africa, brought to the US. And we were slaves. They are on the next, the, the, the next farm next door, neighbor, neighboring farm. I saw him. He walked over the, the, the field here. Free. I said, what's going on? They're going to kill you. He says, haven't you heard? You've been set free five years ago. Redemption believed is salvation received. 
Hallelujah. I want to declare to you, you have been set free 2,000 years ago. Amen. <laughs> you have been set free from the law system and its effect. Now I want to clarify that. We, you have been redeemed from out under the law 2,000 years ago. Now, Paul clearly stated in Romans 7 that when you are under the law, the passions of sin works in your life. Joseph Prince said it beautifully. He says, if you take, if, even if I take my younger son, you know, and I take a pot that's not see-through, and I put it here, and he doesn't even know about, he just sees the pot, he thinks it's a decoration. If I tell him after six months, I mean the pot's always been there, I tell him under no circumstances do you ever look in that pot. <laughs> Inside him, there is an ability to disobey. Okay? But that ability was never activated. The stronger the law, the greater the power of disobedience that will be manifested in him. So he might be walking around saying, you know dad, you know, you don't ever have to be good to me. I'm good enough just the way I am. And I think, you think you're good enough just by your own doings here. I'll show you you're not good enough by your own doing. You need my goodness so that you will make it in this life. I'll just give you one law. And if I give you the one law, you will see, oh my goodness, disobedience is manifesting in me. And then you can acknowledge your inability. And that's exactly what happened when Adam came and he said, God, we are like you just in our flesh without you. God says, no, you're not. Yes, we are. Now, let me give you a law so that you can see your inability. And the purpose of the law was to activate sin in your life. Romans 7, Romans 6 and 7. Clearly. My goodness. So, we were actually under a system, a law system, that was manifesting inability unto condemnation. Then Jesus Christ came in Galatians 4 to redeem them that were under the law. Redeem them. Buy them back. So that we can come with the word of our redemption. So that people can be saved from, from out under the law and the effect of the law, which is the manifestation of sins in our life, which, which destroys our lives. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, you have been set free from anything that binds you. 2,000 years ago. I declare to you that Jesus Christ paid a price that has redeemed you. You have been redeemed. The greater you see your redemption, the more powerful your salvation. Hallelujah. Let's open the Bible in Romans chapter 1. Hallelujah. Listen to what Paul says here. You know, I want you to understand, and this is a great revelation to me, um, and what, it came over a time as I was thinking about this, and as this thing was pinned down in my heart, it brought such a boldness to my heart to preach the gospel. I've always been bold, but I'm more bold now. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
seeing the life of God inside me. Because there is a truth about every man, which is the word of their redemption. Which is called in 2 Corinthians 5, the ministration of reconciliation, where God has already reconciled the whole world unto Himself. By not imputing their trespasses. And now we are declaring to the whole world that God has already reconciled every person unto Himself by not imputing their trespasses. By nailing the law system to the cross and taking it away. So that man can now in his heart be reconciled unto God and receive salvation. Amen. I want to tell you, can you save yourself? It's impossible. Now, we have only seen salvation very shallow as something that will happen to you when Jesus Christ comes back or if you die, you will be saved from hell. Or from the wrath to come for those who never believed in Jesus Christ. But salvation is not that shallow. Salvation finds its definition much deeper than that. We thought that we will be saved one day if we can get rid of sins. No, no. (laughs) That's not right. The message of salvation is God will save you from your sin. Now, can you save yourself? No. Can you save yourself from your sin? No. It's impossible. You cannot. You can try to stop it, but it will start again in a while. But when, when you, when redemption is believed, God will save you. Now that word save means to deliver from and to keep safe and to protect. Okay? God will save you from your sins. And He will save you from the wrath to come. Why? Because of your persuasion of your redemption. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. See, the problem with the Egyptians, with the Israelites, when they were taken out of Egypt, they were taken out of Egypt, but Egypt was never taken out of them. If they could realize that when I was taken out of Egypt, Egypt is also taken out of me. And I can now have a hope and a future. Expecting the God that has redeemed me to also save me. From this desert right now by providing water and uh, 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 food, manna from heaven right now. And also to give me the promised land. Now, if we take that into the New Testament, when Christ has redeemed us, believed upon Jesus, you believe upon what is done for you, redeeming you from the, the Egypt system, now you need faith. There's a promise that says, I've redeemed you from the law system, and there's a promise that you will, there's a promised land. The New Testament is, I've redeemed you, and there's a promise of immortality. Immortality. Now, do you know why immortality is such a powerful thing in the New Testament and is not preached about a lot? Immortality in the New Testament actually talks about the deliverance of human flesh having the ability to sin when it gets under the law. And that is a glorified body in the return of Jesus Christ. 
So now today, I see that the sin that was manifesting in my flesh, as I believe upon Christ, as I'm led by the Spirit of God, talking about the message of grace, my life finds its leading from the grace message and not the law message, I find that sin doesn't have dominion over me. But there's a time that will come when Christ returns, when this body will be glorified with the glory of the resurrected Jesus. Hallelujah, man. And everything in this body will be made new. Exactly what Adam could partake in should he have eaten of the tree of life. When Adam was made from the dust of the earth, God still said to him, eat of the tree of life. God still gave him a choice. His sinlessness was not the, the guarantee of his eternal life. The guarantee of his eternal life is for a sinless person who's, who had no sin to go and partake of the tree of life. The fact that God has washed away the sin of the whole world does not mean that everybody will be saved. All that it means is now, God has washed away your sin so that you can now have a gateway to the tree of life so that you can eat of the tree of life and live forever and never die. And the Bible says, even if we die now, we shall be raised from the dead and we shall live forever. Hallelujah. Now the most wonderful thing, practical for today, if we take the immortality thing out of the way, is when we partake of this tree of life, we find the life of God living in us. Amen. We find the characteristics of God. The very, and, and you know so many times we talk about the Spirit of God. Uh, um, the Spirit of God is a person and is something spiritual that comes and lives in you, or physical, if I can explain it that way, that comes in you, you receive the Holy Spirit. But many times in the Bible when it talks about spirit, it doesn't only talk about a spirit, like you get the spirit of God or a demon spirit. It talks about an attitude. You know, if you take, um, my, take my youngest son now, you can say, but he's got, man, he's just like his dad. When I was small, I was just like him. And he's just like me. People can say, but he's got my attitude. My outlook on, on life. It's like, it's almost as if my spirit is living in him. Now, my spirit is not living in him. I'm just trying to say that the characteristics, my characteristics is living in him. In the same way, when, when the Bible, many, in many instances, when it talks about the spirit of God is in us, is we are seeing the attitude and the way God does things living in us. Why? Because we've believed on the gospel of grace and now His Spirit lives in us because we are not law-minded anymore, but we are resurrection-minded. There's something we need to grab a hold of. In Colossians 3 it says, look at Jesus Christ seated at the right hand of God. It says, who is your life? You only have one life, it's the life of Jesus. So the more you want to know about yourself, the more you need to see who the resurrected Jesus is. Now I know it's challenging to say, you know, who he, as He is, so are you. We are seated with Him in the heavens. Do you know what that means? In, in, in a Hebrew sense, if you are seated, there were different seatings talking about different levels of authority in the Hebrew setting. Now if you are seated with God, with Christ in the heavens, 
What does that mean? That means that as He is there, so are you now. In your spirit. In your inside. That is the truth about your life. So when you look at the life of Christ, I'm not saying that you are Christ. I'm not saying that you are Jesus. There's only one Jesus. There's only one Christ. Okay. In the same way as what there was only one Adam. In the beginning. The first, there was only two Adams. The first one and the last one. The first one Adam as we know him and the last one Jesus. If we look at the first Adam, whatever you saw in him was in you. And we can easily believe that. In the Old Testament we only had one life, the life of Adam. Which was, by your works you are like God. In the New Testament we have been redeemed from that. And the only way we can, the only place where we can find our life now is in the resurrected Jesus. Through faith in the redemption and belief that the promise He made of eternal life will come to me, we receive our salvation and we are saved. That's why we preach the gospel. But we don't have to preach a watered down gospel about repentance. We can preach the true gospel of repentance, telling the, the, the true gospel of redemption. We can preach it. Telling people, listen, you can now repent. Metanoia. Okay? Change, change your mind. That's what the word repent means. Repent and be baptized. Repent. Tell people everywhere to repent. The Bible says in, in, in Acts 17, God has overlooked the previous times of ignorance, but now calls all people everywhere to repent. What is repent? To change your mind on how you will be saved. Change your mind. It's like going to the slaves, telling all the slaves, listen, if I, were, if I was somebody that had a passion for the freedom of the slaves, and I came with a great amount of money, I sold my country, if I was a king, to get enough money so that I can buy all the slaves in another country, to set them free, and I pay for them all, then I can go with this word and say, I have redeemed them. And I am, and maybe, and for a long time, people, they might have been ignorant, but now I come and I say, go now, preachers, and declare that all of them have been redeemed, and that they should repent, change their mind about their slavery, so that they can be saved from the dictatorship they're under. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Redemption believed is salvation received. And then we receive the Holy Spirit, which is the seal of our salvation, (laughs) keeping us safe until the last day. And then the Bible says, if we continue in this belief, continue to believe that we are free. Continue to believe. We can't today believe Jesus set us free. Tomorrow, in, in the Jewish sense, we go and be circumcised now. No, no, we, we believe this and we continue to believe this. This morning I was in a church and the, the Duomini preached and he said so beautifully, he said, you know, Jesus Christ has redeemed us from the law system. Say, so here's the law. And he has given us grace. Not that we should stand like this. He has not redeemed us so that we can be partakers of both. 
He has redeemed us so that we can be fully free from this one and stand with both feet completely in the grace of God. Paul preached, he says, uh, um, and even in, 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 in 1 John, Paul says, I, I'm preaching to you about the grace wherein you stand. The world doesn't stand in the law system anymore, but they're ignorant. They are all standing in the, in the system of grace. If they can believe it, then they can be saved. You see, it, it is like... Um, You know, sometimes there's... I heard this, this uh, uh, Francois sh- shared with me, Francois that preached to you last Sunday. He shared with me about his one son. He said his one son has got the aandag uh, afleibarheid. Uh, I don't know what it's, what it's called. So, yes. So, he says what happens is, in the brain, the child is clever enough to do, to do everything in the class. But there's certain parts in his brain that it's almost as if he doesn't have access to it. Now they give him a, a, a tablet, and then he can access that which is inside him. He says, when he takes a tablet, he's the cleverest child in the class. Now the same way, we, God has given, the Bible says, the grace of God has appeared unto all of men. But by faith, what faith? Faith in what we've been redeemed from. We've got access into this grace. I want to tell you, if you, don't, if you cannot believe that you've been redeemed from the law system, you don't have any access into grace. You cannot access that. The fact that it's close to you, and that you even stand in it, doesn't matter. It can be as close as your brain. But by faith, you've got access into that grace. What faith? What is the word faith? Persuasion that I've been redeemed. And access into the grace equals salvation. We are saved by grace through faith. Hallelujah. Faith in what? Faith that I've been redeemed. Not faith that I will be saved. That is what the Bible calls belief and hope. My mind is at rest and I am hoping in the salvation to manifest. And even today, you might have something like um, you are struggling with certain things in your life or whatever. There's a hope of salvation where you're hoping and there's a confident expectation to, to see the change and manifestation of that thing in your life. Maybe you need a job. Maybe you, you, uh, um, you've got some sickness in your body or you've got fear and you want salvation from that. So there's, there's a salvation that you wait for to, to manifest in your life. That, that's one thing. That is belief. Belief means to rest your mind. I believe that this thing is... My mind is addressed that this thing will manifest. Okay? And my mind is addressed. I believe that I shall be saved uh, from uh, in the judgment seat of Christ. I shall be saved from that judgment. Hallelujah. I believe. And I've got this confident expectation. But faith is... The word faith means to be persuaded of an argument. There's a certain argument about my life. And that is, I've been redeemed. I've been redeemed from the law. I've been redeemed... Forget the word law. I've been redeemed... From man being righteous before God by what he does. I've been redeemed from what I do defining me. Unto the resurrected Jesus as the definition of who I am. This Bible, every verse in this Bible is about Jesus. 
Read the Old Testament. All the types and shadows talks about Jesus. The Bible is all about Jesus and Jesus is all about you. Hallelujah. Let's read that scripture. How long have I preached now? 36 minutes. Let's go to... Why does it feel like an hour? Let's go to Romans 1. It says... Verse 16. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein, in this gospel, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as is written, the just shall live by faith. Right, now listen. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For this gospel is the power of God to save every man. Another word for save there, to manifest God in every person. Okay? For the Jew and for the Greek. Now, when Paul said Jew and Greek, they took about ten chapters to explain those two words. Okay, but we're not going to go into depth into that. Then he says, in verse 17, For in this gospel is the righteousness of God revealed. So what is the righteousness of God? There's, there's different words for righteousness. The word there also means the good thing done. So, in this gospel is the good thing done by God revealed. And manifested. From faith to faith. Okay? What does from faith to faith means? From one, one's faith to another's faith. Through this gospel is the righteousness of God, the good thing done by God, and the very person of God is manifested. So righteousness manifested is also salvation. So yes, this righteousness, this right that I have, made use of, is manifested from seeing what God believes and His belief influencing my belief and my faith so that I can have the persuasion that He has. Now that sounds very complicated. Let me explain to you. God has got a certain faith. When we preach the gospel, we are preaching what God believes happened in Christ. When we are preaching the gospel in, 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 the, in connection with our parable we are using with the slaves, we are preaching what happened in the war and who won the war. And we are preaching the fulfillment of the old slave law. That's what we preach. Why do we preach? Why are we preaching that? Because the king believes that. <laughs> so that when the slave can believe it, he can be saved from his slavery. For his redemption is true. We cannot have faith in something that is not true already. What is true already? That the law has been fulfilled. That the old type of man has already died. 
Jesus says, Second Corinthians 5, Paul clearly says, he says, the old things have passed away. That old things does not talk about the old sins in your life. I used to always interpret that way. You know, I'm, I'm in Christ, I'm a new creation, old things have passed away. Ek dop nie meer nie en ek rook nie meer nie. Jy weet, ek vloek bykie minder. Ek word nou en dan kwaad. Weet, but thank God, I'm still living a very fairly holy life. The old things have passed away. Look, everything has become new. That's not what Paul said. Paul was saying, listen man, when Jesus Christ died, one died on behalf of all, and if one died, then all are dead. What he was saying is, that the Jew died in Christ, the Gentile died in Christ, and these old things, which were the the, the whole Israel thing, and the law where you connect people with Israel through the law system, that old thing has now passed away, and everyone has been made new. And what he was saying is, there's a new type of man before God. The man that is justified by faith. For there was another type of man before God. The man that's justified by the works of the law. But Jesus Christ died that man, so that all people today are only justified by faith. So we can come now and declare that redemption to every man, so they can believe and be saved. Hallelujah. <laughs> Man, that's so easy to preach. You just go to your friend and tell him, do you know you've been redeemed? The Jews couldn't understand that. Jesus said to them, um, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Then they said, we've never been in bondage under anyone. How can you say you'll set me free? And that's the problem that I see so many times. If people cannot see that they are bound in the system of works, you cannot declare their freedom to them. Then they went on and they said to Jesus, How can you say, we, uh, we've never been in bondage. He says, we've got Abraham as our father. He says, if Abraham was your father, you would have received me. For Abraham, Jesus saw Abraham as the faith type. Okay? He says, no, we don't have Abraham as father. We even have God as our father. Now for them, I'm sure those, they said it like this. We've got God as our father. Because if somebody else could hear them, they would have been stoned. You cannot say God's your father. You know, so they were just in, a, in this argument to try and out-argue Jesus. Jesus, let me tell you the truth, God's not your father. For if, if God was your father, you would have loved me. Let me tell you the truth, Satan is your father. Said that to the Pharisee. That said, I'm so okay and I live so holy and so righteous that I don't need to be delivered from anything. I'm okay. He said, the whole life you're living now originates from the seed of Satan. The seed of Satan talks about the doctrine of Satan. He calls him, uh, and, and, and he, uh, the Afrikaans says it mo- most beautifully, I say, other geslag. I, th- I think the English is genera- generation of vipers or something. Or brood of vipers. Yeah. It also says, use the word in, in the original there, gener- generation. Geslag. It talks about a type of, and then he said in the beginning to Adam and Eve, he says, I'll bring division between your seed, he said to Satan, 
and Eve, your seed. I'll bring division between those seeds. The enmity. So he said to the Pharisees, that says, well, nobody needs to set me free. That did not believe that they were righteous because of the obedience of another man, but placed their righteousness in their works. He said to them, this life you live now, now I do believe the Pharisee was made by God. You know, I mean, Satan cannot give birth to people. But the life the Pharisee was living originated out of the doctrine of the devil, which was, you are what you do. He says, I want to, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I thank God that He has set me free. I thank God that He set me free. You know what the Bible says in Acts 13 verse 38, if you read on. He says there, that He declared, I declare forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ and that you are now justified, justified by not having righteousness through the law of Moses. And then He goes on, He says, Let this not be true over your life which the prophet has prophesied. You despisers who hear the good news and despise it. The fact that we have been redeemed does not mean we are saved. We need to believe in the power of our redemption. And we need to believe what we have been redeemed from to see the manifestation of salvation which is the life of God by the power of God in our lives. Hallelujah. Amen. So, do you know what that word despisers is? In the, in, in the original language, it means to think different or opposite. To think opposite. So he, here God comes, what does He think? God thinks and says, well, I'm thinking that I've paid for you and I declare your forgiveness. Now they say, well, God, I don't think that. God says, you despise her. You're despising what I'm giving to you for free. <laughs> I want to tell you, God loves you, man. And He loves me. Thank you, Jesus. Sometimes we think God loves others. You say, yeah, God loves you, but He loves me. Make it a bit personal. That you can also feel loved, you know? Because God, God, God always loves your neighbor. What about you? On Facebook, this one guy was writing about the love of God. He says, how can God be a love of God and send people to hell? So I wrote there... <laughs> I said the love of God that is, not, is not portrayed in if people go to hell or not. The love of God is portrayed in redemption. Hell and where you spent is portrayed in what you've done with redemption. They'll have some clever answer trying to get themselves out of the thing, you know. It's not going to help. I thank God that the love of God is not portrayed in anything else but in our redemption. What He paid for us and promises us. Hallelujah. He's redeemed us from the law system. And, and, and you know, some people say to me badly, but how, why do we need to believe? And I was at a, at a conference um, now with, with, with some leaders at, uh, at close to Hermanus. And what I said to them is... <coughs> How can anybody, the best example is this, how can my wife live in me 
without me believing in her. I want to explain that. And I've said this many times. When we met each other, I was doing things in a certain way. She was doing things in a certain way. Now you'll find that I'm doing some things the way she does them. And who she is in person is finding her stature in my life. She's actually living in me to a certain degree. Now, if I don't believe in her, she cannot have that right in my life. I hope you're understanding what I'm, what, what I'm saying. I'm trying to use a, a, a normal human thing to explain God. Now, the power with which she lives in me is directly connected to her ability to be good to me and to, uh, uh, how can I say, yeah, love me. Because the more she loves me, the more I will believe in her. The more I rest my mind in who she is, the more umir smir say op my off. Okay? And you see her in my life. I've seen it with friends, you know. You'll, you'll see a friend, um, after a while, <laughs> two people come together, you will see the one guy will start to, to, to wave his hand the way the other guy is waving his hand. Because the way he does it, <laughs> because he believes in him, he's, he, he looks at him, or her, you know, and he's captivated with that person, he loves that person. And because of that love for that person, that person starts to live in you. And that is impossible without belief and beholding. So it's impossible to see God manifest in you without believing in Him. How will it be possible for a person to be redeemed from the power of the law if he cannot believe? Oh, how can it be? Uh, wrong words. How can believe be possible for a person to be saved from the power of the law and to leave and stop circumcision and sacrificing of animals if he does not first believe and have faith that he's been redeemed? It's impossible. That's why the Bible says it's impossible to be saved without faith. It is impossible. Because by this faith, by this persuasion, this truth and reality has its life in us. And many people are so scared. I look at uh, many circles that I, that I... You know, one guy... This is so funny. Um, uh, one, one pastor wrote to me and said to me, Beth, you know, you should be very, very careful of certain people because their doctrine is not right. And then I was thinking, how can you... And I understand if they say, be careful. But what they were also saying is, if you are associated with certain people, then your ministry is going to take a knock. And I said, now now tell me, how? And this is my, my reasoning. Tell me, how will you influence somebody if you can never be there? How's somebody in a bar going to hear the gospel if you don't go to the bar and share the gospel? How's a sick person in the hospital going to be healed or on a crusade field if you don't go there, preach to him, lay hands on him and command him to be healed? In the very same way, I believe, it doesn't matter what groups there are, we need to come with a true gospel and share it that people can believe. Amen. I tell you, we are seeing such a wonderful thing as God is just 
revealing this gospel of grace, revealing the way, the difference between salvation and redemption, and giving correct definition to what we believe. Amen. And we are seeing people being saved. (laughs) Hallelujah. That's why the Bible says, He did not come to condemn us, but to save us. And for Him to save us, He had to first redeem us. And when He redeemed us, it had to be true, so that we can have faith in what we've been redeemed from, so that we can be saved, and then God live in us. The most wonderful thing is, when we realize our redemption, then then we say we don't find our life in our own works, but we believe on something else, where we say we find our life from the very Spirit of God, and that's when you receive the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, the life of God manifests in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just say these words, I'm loved of God. Dus Paulus sê, hoe ondergrondelik is die weisheid? I don't know how to say that in English. Hoe ondergrondelik is die weisheid en die hoogte en die weid en die diepte van hoe jy ding insien en verstaan en by mekaar sê? It's like the way God thinks, the way He's put this puzzle together is wonderful. I thank God for the ability that someone else or something else can actually find its life in you through faith. That's godly. (laughs) Hallelujah. When we believe in this awesome redemption, we find the life of God living in us. So I want to tell you, like the Dominic said this morning, you cannot stand like this, my friend. You cannot stand like That's what the Bible calls lukewarm. Neither cold or hot, but lukewarm. I will spew you out of my mouth. That means I declare that what you preach is not my word. (laughs) Hallelujah. It's like I said so many times, if it's only God believing this, it's good enough. If it's you and God, Hallelujah. We're not trying to get votes for God here tonight. We're not trying, we're not running a God campaign, a good news campaign. If we can get more votes, we can outvote the law guys. No, no, no. We're declaring the truth. You can believe it and find the life of God in it or reject it and let the law live in you. That's it. This is not a political rally. It's a declaration of redemption and reconciliation so that people can be reconciled in their hearts unto God. Now, in this message, where is condemnation? How can you be condemned? I'm not talking about condemnation in the sense of rejection of Christ. I'm talking about condemnation because I just had a wrong thought or I, did, I, I handled somebody wrong or, or whatever. Where is it? Another thing that Paul says, where is boasting? Well, you know, 
I remember when I was in Bible school, <clears throat> I would pray. And I would go to another missionary and I would say to him, Now, how long do you pray? <laughs> and he would say, Four hours and you? Five. <laughs> Hallelujah. I pray even more than the pastor. I don't know why I'm not the leader of the church. <laughs> oh, goodness. You pray enough, but it just was just breeding arrogance and hatred towards your neighbor. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Can you believe it? God has come to set us free. Really free. I declare you all free. I declare you all free. I declare you healed from sickness. Amen. Amen. Healed from addiction. Healed from fear. You are free. You know, this is not new for God. God's not saying, oh my goodness. He preached something that I never thought of. I wish my good news plan could have been that good. No, no. This was God's idea. This plan, the Bible says, before the foundation of the world. The Bible says actually, before, before the world was made. We were, or God, God decided that we will be holy only in Jesus. God decided before the creation of the planet that the only way for man to be holy will be in Jesus. Then later on Adam came and decided different. But thank God that he has redeemed us. And he's coming back. I tell you, Jesus Christ is coming back. When he comes back, you will see this planet will be changed. This planet will be changed into the very glory of the resurrected body of Christ. It will, like I've explained one day, like an atom explosion. You know, when, when, the, when the one atom splits, the next splits, the next, the whole thing just explodes. The same way it will be when Christ returns. You know why all will see, see His return? You'll see His return? Because in the twinkling of an eye, when He returns, all that believe upon Him will be like, like this. We will be glorified in our bodies. And we'll say we've seen His return. Because you'll see Christ manifesting in every man. For He will physically return as He went in the glory of God. And in this explosion, because we've been taken from the dust of the earth, this dust that we live in that's alive now, will explode into glory. And these atoms will get this whole planet to explode into the very same glory of the resurrected Jesus. Hallelujah. And we've got this treasure in an earthen vessel. <laughs> Hallelujah. We're the church of the Almighty God, man. Thank God for the gospel. Thank God for the gospel of Jesus. Amen. We have been redeemed. Go and study your redemption. See the persuasion that arises out of your redemption and you'll experience the manifestation of salvation in every area of your life. Hallelujah.
Let's close our eyes. Father, I want to thank you for your great love. You are such an awesome God. You love us so dearly. Thank you, my God, that I could preach your gospel tonight. I thank you for every person that is here that's so loved by you. Thank you that you care for them so deeply. You know, if you are here tonight and you've never received Jesus as your Lord, but you were still your own Lord by your own works, you can right now say, Lord Jesus, thank you that you first received me, and now I receive you as my Lord. I'm not Lord of my life anymore. The law system is not Lord of my life. The condemnation system is not Lord of my life. You are the Lord. And what is true in your kingdom is true in me. You can receive it right now. And as you receive that, you receive your salvation as well. Salvation from condemnation. Salvation from eternal condemnation. And you can receive the life of God right now where you are today. Hallelujah. The righteousness of God is yours. Just receive it. If you've never done it, maybe you've come here a couple of times. You say, Bertie, I've loved, I've liked what you preach, but I don't understand. But tonight you feel, yes. I'm not even going to call you. It's between you and God. Right there where you are. You can just say, Lord, thank you. Jesus is my Lord. The Bible says, with a heart we believe unto righteousness. And with a mouth, confession is made unto salvation. We believe in our heart and we confess Him as Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Father, I want to just pray for every person that is here right now. Every person that needs a job. Every person that, <clears throat> that, that needs healing in their life. I thank you for, for Yana here that I can just bring healing to her wrist right now. I just remove all inflammation. Everything the doctor says there. She needs to go on a, out in the field and do her work, my God. I thank you that all pain is removed from her. I thank that she will need no doctor, she will need no antibiotics, she will need no nothing. Because you, like that song we sang, you are more than enough for us. I declare you are completely healed now. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, all pain is removed. Thank you for that, my God. Healed by the power of the Holy Spirit. We've been redeemed from the sickness. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Therefore, she is now saved from that because we've just simply persuaded of your truth. Thank you, my God. Thank you, my God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I want to just tell you that God's presence is with you always. You might say, Bertie, you know, this gospel is so good, I wish I could understand it more. What you understand right now is enough for now. Just enjoy it. So many times we are so taken up by what we don't know. Enjoy what you do know. And you'll see how you just know more about this truth. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I declare salvation over these people that believe your word. Thank you, my God. Thank you. Your word says that you gave your Son that whosoever believe might be saved. We believe in your redemption work, my God. Thank you, Lord. I want to pray today for every preacher preaching the gospel today. Lord, as I have also been just preaching a mixed message, which was half your word, half not your word, making it not your word. Lord, I thank you that I can pray for every preacher today. Not from a perspective of we are better. 
You know, my God, that is not our heart. We pray from a perspective of, my God, thank you that they can see the true redemption work so that faith can arise in the hearts of people, that people can be truly saved. And not have a change of life through willpower, but that they can be really saved. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen.